0: The driver is, like, pointing at me, laughing, being like, and the passenger is holding a machine gun in his hand, (sighs) and he's not laughing. He's looking in the desert. And at this stage, I'm, like, you know, like, looking again, like, on the the Kinsei, I'm, like... Right, this is exactly what I thought would not happen, and it is happening to me on the first day. What's up,
1: Nomads? Welcome to your new favorite travel podcast, Two Beers Till Takeoff, the podcast that delivers expert knowledge, the information you won't get in your guidebooks, and a story that's guaranteed to make you say what the fuck or your money back. B, you know our episodes are free, right?
2: Hello and welcome to Two Beach Still Takeoff. My name is Phil and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon. What is going on with you, buddy? Hey, man, I'm chilling, you
1: know, really excited to get another episode in. How you doing?
2: I'm doing good, man. I spent the weekend at the beach. It was like 40 degrees or like 104 Fahrenheit in nice. Canada. That's like crazy. Our igloos are melting. I'm... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Hey. I saw something this weekend that I, I've never understood. I, I can't even explain how crazy it is. I saw an old man in a mall and he looked one way and then he looked the other way. And then he took a swig of what I thought was alcohol, but it was actually a maple syrup bottle. I oh am not my fucking kidding. God. <laughs> the most Canadian thing I've ever seen. In my life.
1: That's like seeing Santa Claus in real life.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, super pumped for our guest. Yes, it's going to be a great episode, guys. Yes. So let me introduce
1: our illustrious guest. So back in May of 2021, I was down in Tulum at one of my favorite hostels, Mama's Home, and was talking to this fine fellow here. And he was telling me he was getting ready to take a journey, a bicycle journey from uh, Seattle, all the way down to Argentina, and I thought it was one of the most <coughs> adventurous things one can do. And so I was like, "Dude, how can I like follow your journey?" And so we've stayed in contact ever since. And now that I'm hosting a travel pod, him on as a guest to kind of walk us through his journey. So without further ado, everybody, I want to introduce you to my good friend Pierre. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah
0: welcome my friend i'm good i'm good i'm uh, in the south of the france at the moment just enjoying the, the sunset and the warm temperatures and also finally to not be cycling again so that's um actually <laughs> it's expanding my visions you know i can do and, and think about something else which is great as well
1: <laughs> i bet i bet how long was the the journey how-
0: so in total, like from um, from Seattle back to Seattle, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this later, but um, it was exactly a year and three weeks. So um, a year so and yeah. three weeks. Week. That's crazy. That's it. Yeah. Holy shit. So it's true shit. that some. So yeah, like most people who do this trip, uh, they they usually take let's say a year and a half or two years. And I was like, ah, I think I wanted to pack it up in a year because then I get bored and I get into this routine thing that i actually wanted to escape in the first place i mean in my opinion like when you when you travel is to escape routines of your you know uh life that you have back home right but then after a year of doing the same i felt or including in past trips i feel like you're in the end in a in a form of routine again and so i'm like yeah no i think a year is good for me <laughs> got but you yeah. that's a that's a fucking
1: journey man so what prompted you to start this journey
0: yeah. So like, um, so I've did you lose a bet? I mean, since <laughs> yeah, sorry.
2: Did you lose a bet? That's how, that's how you, <laughs> you had to do that.
0: <laughs> no, like, so, so the thing is like, I, um, no, I didn't lose a bet, but it was, um, yeah, it was just like the fact that I always kind of want to mix traveling and work. So I was, I'm like working for two, three years here, then traveling for a year and then I'm like, working again. And so the thing is, in this case, I was, um, working in Africa for uh, initially two to three years. And then it, okay. it lasted almost uh, four years also with COVID and everything. And so I was um, more eager than ever to get, go back on the road. In this particular case, I was um, always thinking, huh, I think I want to go this route just just for the challenge from Alaska to the south of Argentina, which is called uh, Ushuaia. Jesus or Tierra del Fuego. And so um, the, the main question that I was actually asking myself was more, how do i want to travel do i want to do something by hitchhiking like before or by motorbike because i learned how to drive motorbike in uh back in africa and then um in the end i was like no i think i think cycling is the best option because um well there's an additional layer of challenge because obviously it's a bit more physical you go through other issues than just like you know sitting in a in the back of a bus and um also i've i did like two mini trips before like a week 10 days the bicycle and i was like yeah i think that's the that's the thing i want to do because um, it, it gives you a lot of freedom a lot of independence that i think that's exactly what you want to um look for when you're traveling being completely free and independent rather yeah. than relying on uh, other people when you hitchhike or in petrol when you're, you're using an engine and everything and so i was like yeah let's let's do this thing let's let's try and and we'll see like it, if I really dislike it or I feel like it's too long or too much, I can always quit, you know, but, um, in my head, I was like, nah, if I start, it's going to be until the end for sure. Right. So, <laughs> so, I <did> so,
2: it. <laughs> so, Pierre, so Pierre, I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, so you mentioned you did a couple little trips before, you know, setting out on the big adventure. Did you do any type of training? Like, did you go through like, you know, cycling training, like weight training, like,
0: so, yeah, no, so I was always cycling a little bit. So since I'm, um, yeah, like 13, 14, I was like with, with my dad, we went on like little day trips and then I was like part of a cycling club in Paris for two years, uh, which I didn't really like for this precise reason. It's like, you're not really free to do whatever you want. You need to train, you need to go to the races. It's a bit stressful. It's a bit, you know, like you're forcing yourself to do things and that's not a bicycle I like. The bicycle I like is like, huh, I want to go out and discover, you know, what's around my house for hundred kilometers and I come back and that's it. Um, but so to answer your question, um, I didn't do any specific training. I'm just, you know, in an okay shape, you know, I've always been doing sports and then, um, and then the, the, the physical condition that you need to do this trip, you get it while you do the trip. Uh, that's a question that I actually got a lot and people think that you need to have like an amazing level of cycling. You don't. Um, well, the first is like, yeah, like I just said, you get the physical condition as you go. And also it's not about going fast. It's about going far. So you can only do like sixty kilometers a day if you want, it, or eighty, or hundred, and that's okay. Like you don't need to do like in, like a Tour de France stage every day right. in the uh, in the French Alps. So in the end, you don't need to be fast, and your condition will come. So so you're good.
2: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> sort of. man. Uh, and Pierre, another another question, kind of to to follow up with that one. Uh, so I don't bike very often, but when I do my ass hurts maybe a bit tmi but my <laughs> ass hurts for like a week later i don't know if it's my seat that sucks or i don't know what i'm doing wrong it's the seat, but did sure. you encounter anything like that like into your journey like injuries and stuff like that
0: so well thank god i didn't fall once i mean i failed once but it was a bit it was a bit of shame like it was it was, it, it was a really, really lame fall i'm not sure if i should talk about it <laughs> but but otherwise no injuries nothing um the thing is uh, same thing so you will also get get used to it. so if, um, so these things uh, if you experience uh, pain in, yeah, on your on your ass or like in the back of your neck, for example or on your or just on your regular back, then yeah like sometimes there's you know a few weeks of um, uh, yeah like you just um, need to adapt yourself to the cycling life. Then, if it still continues, then indeed, like maybe your 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 saddle is is not good enough. Maybe your bike is a bit too small. Maybe you're maybe you have the wrong position on the bike, with the way you put your arms, so it's a bit too long. Or there's a few things like this. But same thing, usually it goes it goes away, and then you just uh, get used to it. Um, some saddles exist, like for example, I don't know if we are allowed to mention brands, but I think I should mention that brand. It is the. <laughs> brook saddle made of leather leather so it's like the b12 i think but whatever so this saddle will imitate the shape of your body after a few let's say 500 or thousand kilometers and then you're you you don't even think about the fact that you're sitting on something it's just like you're it's it's like the the shape of your butt basically here that's (laughs) what this is um yeah exactly i mean if if you need to go like for long distances these like leather things are just amazing because then it's exactly the shape of your your eyes. <laughs> How
1: much stretching so, and things did you need to do to continue the journey? Like, I know you didn't really need to do too much to prepare, but what did you need to do to make sure that you can continue and have the stamina? And, you know, did you have to stretch after every day and things like that?
0: No, I think the stretching, I didn't stretch at all. Like, I don't, I don't think I stretched <laughs> once. Okay. I don't believe in stretching. So, <laughs> no stretching. So if you're listening to us, don't stretch. <laughs> That's useless. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but what what you do need to do though and this is very important you need to eat if I have like one tip to give to uh, any cyclists in the world like, day trip people or year long trips you need to eat constantly mm-hmm. the, the secret is to eat before you're even hungry you need to just like eat constantly because like, you're going you're gonna to burn all the calories anyway by the way like the, <laughs> during this year I could eat whatever I wanted I knew that the calories would be burned mm-hmm. so that's the thing to not get tired you need to eat before well, before you're hungry and then after so like after you're done you eat until you're full and then um then yeah and the next morning you'll be okay right and um it's more it's sometimes it's more like uh i need to go back you know do the same like yesterday again it's more like oh yeah like it's again cycling again in the same region which sometimes well from the landscape is exactly the same like the day before like for example in patagonia or some parts of mexico um it's just exactly the same of what happened yesterday so it's more like mm. a mental um uh, let's say uh yeah strength that you need to have to like continue right. doing the same again so but physically yeah it's yeah it's right. no,
1: so <laughs> what so speaking of food what did you do about water because i know traveling in a lot of these latin american countries you can't just go to the tap and drink water you need to be a lot more strategic so how did you what did you do for water to make sure that you could have enough on for the day or whatever
0: <clears throat> yeah so so i have many stories that I could link up with water but maybe like the, the one that was like the the little the little bell <laughs> that was telling me like okay Pierre, this was not good what you just did it was actually pretty early in the trip it was so in june 2021 the u.s were going from heat wave to heat wave i felt so I, across the u.s from seattle to the border with uh, to uh, mexico within a month like 30 or 33 uh-huh. days with not a single drop of rain yeah. like no clouds no rain nothing no. maybe like some clouds made of um, uh forest fires but like yeah and so I was in I think it was either Oregon or Idaho can't remember but I mean I was thinking ah I look on a map and like the next town is in 70 kilometers so I think I'm okay and I could see in a map that there was some farmland And so this farmland, uh, I'm thinking, well, necessarily, just in case I don't have enough water, there'll be houses, there'll be people. But no, so like, because it's like 40 degrees outside, so like 100 Fahrenheit, uh, my water goes down like in a second. At some point, I'm like, wow, I don't have any water anymore. And there's like, there's nothing. I mean, it's just, there's actually just farmland, but without houses. And in, I mean, there was maybe like one or two houses that were there, but like it knocked on the door, there was no one. At some point, I see a pump in the distance. I'm like, oh yeah, a little pump. So I just... Start like activating the pump and some water comes out. It's pretty clear, but smells funny. So I'm like, I'm so thirsty. Like there's nothing else I can do. Like, so I just take a sip anyway, but like very slowly, you know, not to drink too much. And I'm still really, really looking for water. And I don't know if you've ever been really thirsty, but past a certain point, you can think about nothing else. It's like water, water, water. It's just like the the constant thought about like, when can I get water? When can I drink? I don't want to be thirsty again or anymore. And so I started to look on the side of the highway, um, look look into the trash, because sometimes there's a bit of water left in two bottles that people throw from the window. This this was how bad it was. Wow. Holy and shit. then suddenly, <laughs> so I'm like, on this highway, so I could have perhaps stopped cars, but then, like, you met us. So if no one stops, then you just lost time until the next time where you can, we can drink. So I was like, ah, oh, let me just try to continue. And then on the side of the highway, suddenly there is this bottle, this little bottle <laughs> of water unopened. i was like, what? Perfect water. i like, I am saved. It was like an unopened bottle of water wow. on the side of the highway. It's like so a, it's, a magic uh, bottle was, of water. So, <laughs> yeah, like I'm I'm not religious, but if I if it were or if it was, it would be like, "Oh, God help <laughs> me in sending this bottle from this <laughs> guy." Um maybe, maybe you were just so, day, so dude, dehydrated.
2: It was just like a Corona on the side of the road. <laughs> you just thinking it's a <laughs> bottle of water. <laughs>
0: But yeah um, yeah, no but it actually existed and so from that day to answer your question now like i was really studying world the map and being like okay like i don't want to be that thirsty again and so i packed some additional bottles of water i had some uh aqua tabs, you know things that purifies water ahead. if it's not uh, good for drinking and um yeah i was really anticipating a lot uh, depending on where i was okay so you well, would just prepare when you
1: got to the next town or whatever you would just make sure to prepare and fill up on water to hopefully last you until the next time
0: that's it yeah okay yeah so it was like i really had to look into details not just rely on oh yeah it looks like there's farmland no you need to know if there's a town that has a tap i mean that would have a tap because it's time right. so yeah. yeah and
1: then you're mo- so
2: i know with like you know these these big journeys comes body transformation right it's not something that you're doing for a month it was something you're doing for over a year so i guess Maybe tell us a bit about the before and after, and how jacked exactly were you at the end?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, before starting the trip, my weight was seventy five kilos, and I was um, yeah, I had like some uh, good shoulders, good arms. I was okay again, like doing sports and everything. Like, quickly, like, within a, within I think a month, I, I like clearly yeah lost like muscles and and the upper parts and gained muscles in my legs, which was. Just a little bit less sexy but you know what you know i'm, I'm not doing this for a, a magazine so yeah like lost lost muscles down there uh, up there like yeah gain muscles uh yeah and less, let's say my legs but then i also lost weight so i was like pretty quickly at 70 kilos which is so i'm 187 so six foot two so 75 is i think an okay weight 70 was like the weight that i had when i was 18 20 years old so i was like wow this is really low it didn't go any much lower. And then it came back because we're again at 75. And um, and and now, like, I don't know, I think, I think within a month of me finishing this trip, uh, my body must have been like, oh, now we need to get more food and, you know, yeah. like, pack up all the lost calories. And so then I put myself on the waistcoat at home and it was surprising at 80. I was like, why am I at 80? I just finished a cycling trip. And so I think, yeah, I just packed Putting up all the calories on. again yeah. and... 80 is still okay, but, um, yeah, I might, I might try to go back to 75. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see.
2: I mean, you could just jump back on a bike, right? And then you're just right, right back to, <laughs> you've got the recipe.
0: Go from France to Beijing or something right. like that. and then Aim for 75. <laughs> right,
2: well, well, anyways, if, if you decide to do it, I'd love to have you back on. This has been lovely up to date. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Another question I have for you, Pierre is, um, Uh, just maybe to help people that are maybe listening to, you know, cause you will inspire some people to potentially do this. Can you give some insight on budgeting for this type of trip? You know, a year long trip is something that you don't do every single day and it's, you know, you're, you're dealing probably with a lot of different currencies, every country that you're going through. Can you maybe give us a few tips and, and, and an overview of, of the budgeting?
0: So um, this is like very um, proper to uh, cycling trips. They are cheap trips. Um, The initial investment is important because you need a good bike, you need a good tent, a good mattress, a good sleeping bag because you need to rest properly, and good clothes for cold weather, warm weather and everything. So there's an initial investment to make that's um, more important than if you start hitchhiking, for example. Then, once you start the trip, you're saving on two very big uh, budget parts, which is transport. You don't spend anything on transport. For obvious reasons and also nothing on accommodation. So I was doing a lot of um, couch surfing and warm showers. So warm showers is, is like the same than couch surfing just for cyclists. So it's like the cycling community uh, helping cycling travelers. And then I had my tent, so whenever these two solutions weren't working, well, I was just like camping somewhere uh, on the on the way. So so this is like erasing a lot of um, spendings that could you know add up pretty quickly. And then, you, then yeah, like my main budget of spendings were, um, yeah, like water. I mean, not, not water, but like food and uh, water. Sometimes we've had to pay water. And then, and then, of course, in my case, the, the party budget. So sometimes we're, you know, <laughs> beers or <laughs> other little bottles of liquor. But that's um, just because, you know, you need to enjoy yourself, you know, not just a cycling right. machine. But that's it. Yeah, it's a pretty cheap, uh, pretty cheap trip, especially in these countries where the food doesn't cost anything. So you're really not spending much in the end.
2: So, so can you give us a, yeah. a ballpark figure of how much this type of trip could cost?
0: Um, so, in in my case, like I'm surprised. I think there, as I seem to do the math, because I think there's some, um, yeah, some flight expenses or like preparation for the Canadian visa that I came. But for some reason, I think over the last year, like I must have spent something like ten thousand dollars. But it, wow. it, it seems it seems a lot to me. <laughs> so, like I must, I, I might need to recalculate this because it, it's it seems a little high. But um. Let's say apart from um, you know like unusual spendings like flight tickets or you know issues that you have with the bike, you're pretty easy on a ten dollar per day budget. Wow! So that's right. <laughs>
2: that's crazy. Yeah,
0: that's not bad at all. Yeah, but yeah, again, <laughs> then you have to like you know be a lot in the tent, and some people just need a bit more comfort. I'm pretty you know <laughs> low in um, when it comes to comfort zones. I'm like anything works. <laughs> yeah, most backpackers are. We can sacrifice a lot.
1: day QA. a all right pierre hot or cold hot or cold mm-hmm. just general just answer hot or cold hot okay beach <laughs>
0: or mountains oh mountain 100 percent mountain okay. uh, and can i develop or it's sure. just like that yeah all right so uh i i I think before and before this trip, I was like ah, I like both, you know, there's pros and cons in both. But after this trip, like to me, beaches are just like beaches. It's always the same. It never really changes. I mean, maybe sometimes, but to me, mountains are just fascinating. Like every every single curve within the same mountain on the same day looks different. They uh, they, they things change so quickly. And um, I, I I'd rather like cycle on mountains much more than coasts or coastlines, which are really some. I mean, they, they can get pretty quickly boring. I think so. After this trip, I'm definitely a mountain guy more than beach guy. That's gotcha. you. Okay. Answer. Very good answer.
1: All right, this one that has Thanks. nothing to do with your journey, but bus or train?
0: Bus or train? I prefer the train. Okay. It's more stable.
1: Cats or dogs?
0: Ah, uh, uh, definitely cats. <laughs> I hate dogs. After this trip, I fucking hate them all. Like uh, you, you, you can't you can't imagine how. Uh, like obsessed I was with just like the opportunity to maybe one day be able to kill a dog' because I just like hated <laughs> them so much like it is <laughs> SPCA, please don't be, sounds...
2: ASPCA, please don't be listening please don't be <laughs> right
0: <laughs> <laughs> honestly it it sounds well maybe it's a bit exaggerated now, but like really. I've, I've been you need to imagine a yeah, thousand of kilometers, especially in countries like I think the worst country was Peru in, when it when it came to dogs, just like every single kilometer and sometimes. Many within a kilometer that just like run after you, bark at you, try to bit you. In Peru, four times they bit my luggage. They were like biting my luggage as I'm cycling. I was like, what the hell is going on? And it's just, I mean, in developed countries like, yeah, like the States or like France, the dogs are behind fences or they're in leashes. So they're not really an issue. And they have, I think, I think they're also a bit more trained to be like, okay, don't attack anything that just like runs in front of the house. But in South America, I tell you what, this is, this this really is an issue. I think it actually... It was the only negative part of my trip. It was dogs. Wow. <laughs> Nothing else was negative. That bad. So, yeah.
1: I can see Definitely that. Definitely cats. Because <laughs> those, those street dogs, they are, I mean, I haven't experienced any vicious street dogs, but they're just they're just out there roaming freely, you know? So, I can totally see them attacking the hell out of you. All right. Next is top or bottom bunk?
0: Top or bottom what? Bunk. bunk. Uh, uh, I, I'll, go, I'll go bottom. Okay. And then, uh, yeah. Just nice to
1: drive the ship. Favorite sports team?
0: Uh, I would go for Barcelona. Although, without Messi, I don't know, maybe Manchester City.
1: Okay. But, okay. Um, if you had <laughs> one superpower, what would it be?
0: That'd be to fly. Just fly around. So you don't yeah, have to fly. Wings yeah, yeah. in the back. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, I can see the. See the planet earth i up there
1: up the Right. finally proved that the earth is uh not flat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, when doing <laughs> when doing trips like this, what's one item you couldn't do without besides your bike?
0: Uh it would definitely be the tent, I think. Okay, be a tent, yeah, cuz then in the middle of nowhere how how, how are you going to sleep if it's raining and shit? So yeah, tent. Okay.
1: Good answer. Which country on your journey had the best cuisine?
0: Uh, Yeah, Mexico, I'd say. Although the meat in Argentina was really amazing. But I think in terms of uh, diversity of cuisine, I'd, I'd say Mexico. Every single state had a different specialty, which was really good. So, yeah, Mexico.
1: Okay. Now, this next one can be about your journey, but it can also just be – your answer could be overall. What's your biggest travel pet peeve?
0: Her biggest trouble what?
1: Pet peeve, like annoyance, basically. Like, what annoys you when you travel? Besides the street dogs. Well, in dogs, eh?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, besides the <from> street dogs. <laughs> okay. I think very, very specifically, I mean, besides dogs, there was also um, just COVID absolute bullshit, <laughs> which was, so I, when you have to cross, like, 16 different borders, every border has a different requirement for COVID things, yeah. and honestly, it was just... They're just complete nonsense it's just uh yeah and also like you know wearing the mask every time all the time it's it was another annoyance, sir yeah.
1: i got you okay another one that can be about your journey or just an overall uh travel answer tell us your best travel hack
0: best travel hack um that was definitely in canada um in parts where there is no shops, where there is a very, um, where it's like actually hard to to buy some food, mm-hmm. my little travel hack, but that works only if the outside weather is is cold, um, is to look into the bins that are on the side of the highway on the rest areas. You look into the bins, and honestly, there are like little fridges where people put some food for you, <laughs> and then you just pick inside the fridge and get food. <laughs> 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 and it, it is honestly amazing. So I've been dumpster diving back in Australia in uh, 2016, 2017, but like behind supermarkets. So you think, oh yeah, well supermarkets, you know, they they manage their food like they can, and they have to to throw away things. Um, it, it's still very absurd what you can find in these these bins. But you know, you cannot understand how it works. Uh, in this particular case, along the highway, you're like people paid money for this food. They they paid for it, and it's still. Wrapped up, the date is still in like a week, and they threw it away anyway. And so you're like, why? (laughs) Why do you throw the spoon away? It's like, it just doesn't make any sense. But you know, it helped me. I didn't have to shop that often. Okay. Especially in parts where I couldn't shop anyway because there were no shops. So. All right,
1: so, that's a travel hack I probably won't ever have to use, but that's actually very good and smart. If it's cold, if it's yeah, cold. wait till
2: you come to Canada, buddy, you're fucked. Right, right. straight to the freezer. Right.
1: Okay, what is um, the most underrated country in your opinion? Could be worldwide. I think
0: it's El Salvador. It's, okay, it's El Salvador, or well, maybe worldwide. Maybe Comoros, I think, is still pretty nice. But like, let's say on the trip, nobody—I mean, very few people—go to El Salvador just because they think or they heard sometimes from people who themselves have not been to El Salvador that it is a dangerous country. And mm-hmm. let me just come back on this idea of a dangerous country. To me, that means nothing. But like zero, zero. It's like, wh- what do you think? What does it mean a dangerous country? Is it like a place where you pass the border and you get killed instantly, where people like shoot all the time? It doesn't. This doesn't work like this. Millions of people live in this country and have a job and, you know, like eat food and go to bed and everything. So to me, this idea makes no sense. But especially for Salvador, people were not going there because they thought it was too dangerous for them, which it isn't. If, if you're like a smart traveler, you anticipate dangerous situations. You know who you are, where you are, what you do, what you not do, and that's sufficient. Right. But so Salvador yeah, had like beautiful people just because there's no tourism so there's like way more authentic when you when you talk to them Wow! and they were like yeah beautiful lakes volcanoes and beaches that are perfectly unknown Wow. okay so yeah don't don't trust people who tell you a place that means nothing what
2: what was the other spot you said pierre (laughs) like i i'm I'm very interested in in looking into El el salvador i'm not overlooking that i'm just you you mentioned another spot
0: yeah, i mentioned the uh, comores so uh, comores is the place uh which i mentioned before uh, so it's a um, little island country that is in between madagascar and the african coast wow, okay. it is very small like the biggest island is like 60 kilometers long it used to be a french colony who took its independence in 1975 and it is underrated because <laughs> well nobody knows that it even exists that's what i was saying before so this is a country comores um and so it is very poor, very dysfunctional, uh, like the roads are bad, airports are bad, hospitals are bad. There's very poor uh, water, energy, waste management. You're really which comes with, for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is this is not good. <laughs> this is um, obviously a very poor African country. But in the same time, they have less than 3,000 tourists per year, oh, which wow. is nothing again. And I think among these 3,000, there must be the people who have, like, work permits and could go there on a business trip. And honestly, the nature there is is really stunning. I mean, you have, like, some nice parts of the jungle. There's a volcano. There's, like, amazing beaches. Wow. The submarine life is just incredible. And again, like, you're not going to see any tourists there because it's not a touristic place. And I think that's what I'm looking for now. Like, just stop going to places like, France. well, like Thailand or... <laughs> yeah or or parents yeah i mean i go there for other reasons but um yeah to go to places where no one go There are not that many anymore but uh that's that's the thing i would do now right
1: great advice okay um what is a country on your journey that you would like to go back and explore more like spend more time there
0: I think it would be Colombia. I really, really enjoyed Colombia. Yeah, the energy in the streets, the the people, the the fact that also it's a very has a big uh, cycling culture. Like um, bicycles are just part of the culture there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think um, there's still a few parts that I didn't cover. So okay. why not? Yeah, I love Colombia as well. All right, uh, where did
1: you experience the least friendly locals?
0: Um, People, not dogs. It was somewhere in. (laughs) Sorry. People, not dogs. (laughs) In (laughs) Comoros. I know. (laughs) Yeah, not dogs. Um, (laughs) It was. It was in a little remote town in Bolivia where, you just sometimes you go to towns where you feel like everyone is nice to you, and sometimes you get the exact opposite feeling where every single interaction you have. It's just negative it's just like you enter a restaurant the waiter is not nice to you you're asking for your way people tell you to look on your phone um you then like ask another person where to sleep and they just say i don't know like i don't care and it's just it was this i don't even know what the name was but it was just yeah but vibes of this tiny little town in bolivia but otherwise bolivia was fine but that little town i don't know what it had <laughs>
1: Must have been the water. Hey, right, what's your favorite cocktail?
0: <laughs> cocktail? Yeah. Um. Well, I really like margaritas, but um. Yeah. Anything, anything strong. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> we were getting fucked up, <laughs> fucked up off that tequila that time in Tulum. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mezcal, not tequila.
1: I think it was. Well, I I remember buying the, the tequila. I went and bought that uh, Don Julio and brought it back. Like let me let me let me splurge yeah. on my friends one time. That shit's super cheap out there <laughs> compared to to what I drink here. All right, yeah, yeah, dude. Where have you found your cheapest pint?
0: Cheapest pint? Uh, it must. I think I think it could have been in Colombia too. Maybe maybe in, in this bar in Medellin, but I'm not I'm not sure if it was the cheapest. I need to compare, right. but maybe it was Colombia. Yeah. Okay. Part of the reason why I like Colombia,
1: right? Yeah, <laughs> of course. All right, where in the world is your favorite bar and why?
0: Third bar, yeah. uh, there was it's in uh Laos. There was this bar, and uh, it's not Vient- no, um, I think it's a Luang Prabang. This place where this bar just had everything they had like very cheap prices, good music, good people. It was overlooking the Mekong, I had a, vol- a volleyball field within the bar We could just play volleyball and um yeah i had a really really good time there i went there only once though so can't remember the name that sounds good it was a good bar
1: i fucking can't wait to get myself back out to southeast asia and every time i hear about a country in southeast asia i'm like oh i gotta get out there
2: (laughs) Maybe, maybe pierre could influence you to take a little bike trip
1: uh no, I don't know. I don't yeah. know about that one, man.
2: <laughs> I'll do
1: a motorcycle trip, but not a cycling trip. No, I, I won't. I won't write that off. I won't write that off. I wouldn't do like a year-long thing, but I, I would do, you know, through a through a country. If if I was to be invited to do something like that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pass it. Pass the opportunity. Tour de Brandon. Tour de Brandon. <laughs> Tour de Brandon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Story time. yeah so like the um initial idea was to go from um alaska to argentina or do you say argentina <laughs> i said going. argentina so, yeah. so, <laughs> is
2: that how you say it <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah to Argentina. Uh, but then i like, so back in june 2021 i couldn't cross the uh canadian borders who were closed for a while and so then I just uh, decided to start in Seattle because that was the most northern part I could um, start from. And so I just started from, uh, yeah, from Seattle. And I, so many people think I went through California and then into Mexico, went to uh, Baja California, but I actually went more inland, like to, uh, through Salt Lake City, then Phoenix, Tucson, before crossing into Mexico. And I must say that um, the the States, so I, I like the States, there's um no issues with this, but I feel like the, the part of this um trip wasn't that exciting. It was a bit more like, all right, like I wasn't meeting as many people as I thought it would. Um it was just very normal, not that adventurous I felt like. But then as soon as I crossed the border to Mexico, then it was like, wow, okay, now now that I think the trip really started, it was a complete different culture and so many Where unexpected you- situations happened
2: so pierre where exactly did you cross the border in mexico because i know a lot of those neighboring or the 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 border cities are actually like quite dangerous like there's like uh ciudad de juarez there's like uh what's the other crazy one there uh by san diego brandon
0: tijuana. I
2: don't tijuana like those are, that's like one of the like murder capitals of the world is it
0: yeah so maybe like indeed so this this part of the border is indeed a bit unsafe for so there's two main reasons here there's like you know the drug smuggling cartels and they like migration issues. So yeah, those things like don't, don't make the borders in general very safe. Like the the place where I crossed was uh, Nogales. So in between Arizona and uh, Sonora, so it's not, not too famous. And well, the first, the first few hours of crossing were okay, but so the day, and so yeah, as I was saying, so (laughs) there's a little story that happened that day, my first day in Mexico. Um, so the day before I stopped in a little town on the Arizona side called uh, Patagonia, funnily enough. And so I was thinking, I'm going to stop right before the border so that the next day I can go as far as possible from the border and just like, you know, keep cycling and and just go go far away from the place. And then as I'm on this very boring highway called the Ruta Quince, so like highway number 15, which is like very straight and very warm and very boring. just, I think there was one spot I had like 250 kilometers of straight lines, like not a single curve where you can just like see the highway, just, you know, go forever. That's
2: depressing. eh? It must be tough on the mental. (laughs) Yeah. It is.
0: <laughs> you know, all the people would tell me like, oh, yeah, you're cycling. That's that's amazing. I would love to do this. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't love to do everything that I do because sometimes it's just oh, yeah. boring as hell. Fuck. But anyway, so on this highway, I'm like just there and there's a car who stops 50 or 70 meters away from me. And so I'm like, all right, well, um, you know, cars stop for whatever reason. Sometimes people want to give a call, take a nap, check on a, check on the engine or something like this. So... I'm not gonna stop for every car who stops on the highway. And so as I pass the car myself, I just like look over my shoulder and like sort of everything happens within within a second where I look over my shoulder, as just, just do a little, hey, what's up? And as I do this, I see that the, the driver is like pointing at me laughing, being like, ha ha? And the passenger is holding a machine gun in his hand and he's not laughing. <laughs> He's looking in the desert. And at this stage I'm like, you know, like looking again like on the Ruta Kinsey, I'm like, right, this is exactly what I thought would not happen and it is happening to me Uh, on the first day. So I'm like what are these guys? Where's this guy laughing? Where's this guy with the automatic machine gun, you know, just behind me? And so Yeah, you 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 probably I'm, I'm like you
2: probably expected this to happen in the US, right?
0: Yeah. I was thinking, you know, some, some rednecks in the middle of Idaho, but no, it happened to me at the Northern border of Mexico. And so the, I was, as, as we say in French, I was like a cow in a corridor, you know, like if they, if they want to shoot me, if they want to do anything, I have like nowhere to go. I'm just in the middle of the highway. There's like desert here, desert there. There's nowhere to hide. So I'm like, all right, uh, I don't, we'll see what happens. And so I'm just cycling for another like hundred meters. And then at some point I'm like turning again to see that. What they were doing and thank god they were just doing a u-turn on the highway and Ooh. heading back up north i'm like ah oh. thank god still i was Ooh. like very like what the hell just happened you know, i didn't imagine this machine gun it was there and this dude was laughing at me <laughs> for some reason so i then asked some people in mexico let's run <laughs> i was like what well, what just happened like this is a very i mean to me at least very weird situation and they are like oh this is very clear these guys were narcos and they were checking on you to know what you were doing on their territory. So although I was on the highway, not on any like particular place, well, I was still crossing someone's territory and someone must have seen me and then like said like, hey, who is this weird dude on a bicycle with the black bags? Like maybe, you know, uh, who is he? And so then like some guy must have asked these guys, probably Sicarios or something like this, just to check on me to see who I am. And then they see me and then the driver is like, ha, I fucking terrorist and he just laughs and then like this green <laughs> <laughs> and then so to me uh, then i will never know exactly what happened but to me this uh analysis of what happened sort of adds right. up i'm like yeah that kind of makes sense Dude, that's know. scary At so the, yeah this was my welcome to mexico as, as, a, as a
2: rule of thumb i guess like just to make sure that you're not competition the, the wave to the to the narco <laughs> probably was the uh it was probably your way through. Hello. So, people, maybe, if you yeah. are trafficking maybe, maybe, and you do see a narco, wave to them. make dramatic. sure that you look yeah. like you're a tourist and that you're
1: nice.
0: Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was it, dude. Yeah. That's scary as <laughs> shit. Man. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, I'd show in the middle finger that probably be dead by now, but <laughs> thank God I waved. Damn, wing. dude. <laughs>
1: fucking hey yeah
0: that's but but so but so this is just like a very weird example of what otherwise didn't happen to me in mexico and never happened to me again anywhere uh anywhere in the world after this so it's just like very very weird sort of unexpected and uh well and yeah nothing happened you know because uh, as i always say like narcos they're professionals you know like dude, just right. don't mess with them and if you don't mess with them there's no reason for them to kill you they're, they're not they're not murderers they're just guys who defend a business and that's it you know like so um, i wasn't scared of knockers i was again scared of dogs, <laughs> dogs and <the> trucks, <laughs> yeah wow. Yeah,
2: and, I, and i'm sure that like you know had they decided to kill you based on whatever reason it probably attracts more attention by killing you than actually letting you go of course
0: absolutely these guys have issues already with the police they don't want to have like a, uh, you know like a a, a, a tourist and a dead tourist on the road because of them you know and then like they have to explain what happened so they're not looking for trouble i think not for this at least damn that's so, yeah. scary man but otherwise mexico is fine i mean i really on the blast it was it was nice i uh as i said before like in terms of uh, cuisine it was very different in every state i was going to some places very very heavily touristy like um uh, Puerto Escondido in Oaxaca or Acapulco mm-hmm. or like um, in um, this place in uh, uh, San Cristobal de las Casas but still very, very beautiful and some other parts that are equally as beautiful with absolutely no tourists. So, so yeah, that was, that was a pretty good um, experience too. Should I then like move on uh, yeah, from country mm-hmm. to the country? Sure. Or, I, I just have yeah, one like, question, I that. guess
2: to kind of transition you here, Pierre. Um, so so like, you know, you're, you're going through... Uh, Fucking continents at this point. Uh, how do you decide really where you're going? Are you deciding like, oh, I want to go see these type of things? Or are you looking more like journey wise? Like, are you looking like, oh, it's a bit shorter to go this way? Like, what, what? Which? how How are you deciding where you're going?
0: So that's the thing. So like, I didn't have a clear idea of where I wanted to go. I wasn't going to make thousand kilometer detours just to see a, a ruin or something like this. I still kind of wanted to keep it, you know, in a logical way, like not too, too long. But in the same time, I was also like talking a lot to, to people that I, that I just met or to hosts, or to locals. And when they were telling me like, oh, you should go and see this place. And if it wasn't too far from the most logical route, well, then no, I just go there. And also maybe that's another tip for cycling people. It would be like to always take the least mm-hmm. travel road. Cause then you have less traffic and it's like, yeah, less us uh, just, let's just, less travel in general It's like more comfortable when you're cycling. And so it was a combination of everything. I was like, well. Not too many kilometers, of course, uh, not too many people then recommendations of people. Then day by day, there was like, yeah, I'm doing my route. But um, sometimes I see on some WhatsApp groups, people who say, I just landed in Quito. Can you guys recommend me how to go to Argentina? I'm like, this is the purpose of your trip. This is like, you need to make your own route. You're not going to ask people on a WhatsApp group where to go, where to turn left and right. That makes no sense. But well, anyway, so I was doing this like mm, day by day sort of, nice. of
2: and so were you using technology, like were you using a phone to like kind of GPS your phone. way? Okay, you're using your phone?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I was like downloading my maps before on my phone, just Google Maps. And then, um, then yeah, if I didn't have any network, there was sufficient to just like know where I was and nowhere to go. Yeah. That was pretty pretty basic.
2: Yeah, yeah great resource. Cool. Uh, so yeah, so after, or after Mexico, you decided to go into Belize or...
0: Uh, so, Belize, so Belize is the only country where I didn't go, um, well one, because it's a bit off the road, you would have to make a big detour uh, towards east, and uh, same thing with the, just COVID times, so uh, I think you were not allowed to enter with a bicycle for some reason, and also, and that's like even more absurd, you had to exit the country from the same, um, I mean, in the same place where you entered from, like the same uh, border uh, checkpoint. And so I was like, yeah, that makes no sense. Then just like double detour. Then you yeah, come back to the same place. So I was like, yeah, Belize is going to be for another time. So I went into Mexico, uh, into Guatemala. Uh, so Guatemala, yeah, like way more hilly, a lot of volcanoes. There was this place in um, uh, the uh, Volcano that was probably one of the most amazing parts of my trip where, so you so Guatemala has like a thousand different uh, volcanoes and mountains. So this is probably the thing you shouldn't miss if you go there. It's like two mountains facing each other. There's the Volcan Acatenango climbing at almost 4,000 meters. You go there and you camp by 3,600. And then you're, let's say in a straight line, a kilometer away from the Volcan de Fuego. So the fire volcano, which is active, which has been, has always been active and has like about 20 eruptions per hour. So you're just like there and you see the eruptions the entire day with the smoke, with the ashes. Then in the same time after the, um, well, once, once the sunset happens, mm-hmm. then you see the lava, you see the red thing and it, it just goes on the entire night, of course. And so you're permanently getting waken up by the, the noise that it makes. And it's just this like, you know, show by, done by mother nature the entire time. And it's, um, I had never experienced an eruption before and right. of course not that close and, and in the same, in the same time it's safe and, and everything. So it was just like one of the. Yeah, most Yeah, you did that thing.
1: without a guide as well,
0: right? Uh, yeah, so I, I really dislike guides. <laughs> if I go in a mountain, I I want to be alone or like just I mean, some, especially on these mountains where there's just tons of tourists, the the the, the trails are just self evident. You cannot miss the trail; it's impossible. And so I'm like, why am I going to be? Why why should I pay for a guide that I don't want to uh, be with, showing me a trail that is perfectly clear to to follow? So it's like double nonsense to me. So yeah, I always try to do hikes with a guide. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah,
1: I did that nice. same hike, but I did it with a guide, and I remember watching your stories, and I'm like, this dude is doing it without a guide. Like, how the fuck is he doing this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> with a with a fucking bike on his
0: right. back, exactly.
2: be,
1: bench pressing it. Uh. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. <laughs> I love the back of the little restaurant.
2: Going to swim in the fucking yeah. volcano yeah. to wash
0: off. <laughs> no, but some people were were getting like so close. I was seeing like during the night I was seeing some I don't know, torches or headlamps They were going really, really close to the actual lava. I'm like, how how is this possible? So I asked this guy, this like sort of guide for another group, and he said like, yeah, but they shouldn't be doing this, but some some tourists come there and just pay the guide much more so that they can approach the lava and what was just nonsense, but then the more they pay, the closer they get. So, sort of, which is yeah, that's
1: crazy.
0: Just natural people, selection. Yeah. Darwinism. Yeah, exactly. It's like the people who die doing it in It's right. like, yeah, well, you know, but natural guess selection. guess you won't too.
2: get to post it.
0: Right. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and so after Guatemala, there was like the, yeah, but there was this uh, El Salvador place uh, mm-hmm. that I already talked about. Um, then there was a quick section of, uh, Honduras. So Honduras has, a, is like sort of oddly shaped. It's like very, very small in the south and it goes like very big in the north. So I just like cross Honduras in the southern part. There was just like mm. four days, uh, same thing Honduras. Everyone tells you, wow, the most dangerous country and maybe in the world. <laughs> and it, it's just, it just isn't, I mean, it's just like one of these places where there's just less tourists and people are just nicer because they're more interested in who you are to come to their place. And, but. I cannot say that I really know Endora's very well because it was a very tiny part. So it are just mm-hmm. uh, four days, so it was short. Um, after this, there was uh, Nicaragua. So Nicaragua was um, a bit similar to Guatemala in uh, in some cases. With also volcanoes and lakes, it was um, especially specifically this uh, Lago Ometepe, like a huge, mm-hmm. massive lake in the middle of the country. Just um, I think the um, the politics there were completely fucked. I mean, it was just like like very clear dictatorship from the same family for the last 30, 40, maybe even 50 years. With something that I didn't know, there was in 2018, which is like just basically yesterday, there was some shootings on the streets against the students who were just like demonstrating because they disagreed on something. And the students just got shot in the streets. And then there was just like a massive um, repression from military and everything. And I wasn't aware of it. It was like, why did this happen in 2018? So this gave me like a... (laughs) Pretty bad impression of the country as a um, regime, of course, but it's, um, yeah, probably the toughest dictatorship on the continent, I'd say. But um, yeah, so no freedom of speech, expression, uh, it was just only one political party, basically. Worse, so. worse
2: than yeah. Venezuela?
0: Um, Good question. In terms of um, political toughness, I'm not sure, but um, one thing is easier there is the economy that still works yeah. sort of, uh, there's not a, you know, have the um, oil industry. global distrust and yeah, exactly. So I think they're better off on that side, but in terms of policies, yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's much better. Yeah. But yeah, it also very, I, I think also Nicaragua had the best roads oh, wow. so for some reason, maybe the, the communist policies were like, all right, let's, let's do some good roads for the guys. And so yeah, they were like the smoothest. Most maybe recent roads that I had on this trip, so the best roads on the entire continent. Wow, okay, that's Uruguay. a surprise. <laughs> Pretty unexpectedly. Yeah, yeah, for me too. Um, and then uh, also very flat, so as compared to Guatemala and everything, it was uh-huh. just constantly flat, forty meters elevation. And then you get into Costa Rica, and Costa Rica for me was a bit of a disappointment, just because well, one, people when you constantly hear about a place being like, oh, this is the best country, it says, oh, this is oh, it's just so nice well like almost physically you know you have your expectations that are here and then if they don't if, if they aren't met well then it's basically like yeah pretty much quickly lower and then you're like oh i thought it'd be better and everything but um i i understood why people like it because it's very very easy to have like a beautiful postcard picture and one of these waterfalls and um jungle and everything but in the same time well, what really upset me is that you have to pay for everything. Like this smallest waterfall, which would be completely for free in another place, there was oh, like 20 US dollars to see it, to see it, just a waterfall. Yes, it is a beautiful waterfall, but you know, in other places, you have also nice waterfalls and they're just for free. You just go there and take a picture and dip in. And most of the waterfalls in Costa Rica couldn't even swim, which was oh, for me, oh, like, the main boy, point. Yeah. That wanted to swim in this waterfall and they couldn't. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, so there was this, there was, um, oh yeah, it's a wealthy country. I'm like, is it actually wealthy? Like the infrastructure didn't look as good, the, the people didn't look much wealthier. And so I just recently read an article after being there that, um. so they have like amazing policies in terms of uh, no military or the military budget into renewable energy and protection of wildlife and parks and forests. Yes, the forest has come back since the eighties to um, record high levels of, uh, yeah, just the forest surface. On the country but uh, in the same time these um uh let's say all the budget that was allocated to these sort of protections weren't then allocated to for example social protection to retirement welfare to jobless money and everything and so in the end and sort of counterintuitively, intuitively these policies were creating gaps within a society so yes you have an amazing nature and you have like almost 100% access i mean 100% it's electricity that is produced by renewable renewable energies, but at the same time there's like big gaps in the society, which I could see as across the country. I'm like the people aren't that wealthy, like they're just like the neighboring countries, but the country does better in terms of tourism and everything. But... So yeah, mixed feelings for this I actually had it there on Wednesday. And it was a okay, cable. But... <laughs> Shit! <laughs> I was hoping that yeah. Pierre
2: was gonna rip it apart. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, it's the worst fucking place. So
0: rip it apart. It was just. I was just yeah a little disappointed uh, after all what I've heard being like the best place and yeah I just thought it was a bit maybe yeah. a little overrated maybe also definitely more expensive than the other places. Of course, if you come from the US and you go to Costa Rica, wow, everything is so cheap. But coming from places like Paraguay, Salvador, Honduras, you're like wow, like everything is right. like three times more expensive and yeah. all right, why?
2: So, so Brandon, maybe temper yeah. expectations.
1: I mean, my expectations for places are always tempered because I yes. I don't want to ever be disappointed and i've i've heard i've already heard mixed reviews about costa rica so i'm already going in like i'll just it'll be what it is you know what i mean so and i'm already going in knowing it's going to be expensive <laughs> as fuck too which yeah. i'm not looking forward to but you know it is what it is
0: <laughs> yeah so right after this is panama so panama there's uh i think two main parts that are really interesting it's in the north uh, uh Bucas del Toro, which is like really really nice like with Yeah, just like uh, beautiful beaches and blue water and amazing houses. So that was, um, that was nice. Um, Then it was a lot of nothing. Like there was like five days of cycling every single day in like, well, this um, Pan American highway, very, very warm. Yeah, it was just like it was probably one of the warmest, I mean, hottest roads, I think on the trip until you get to Panama City. So Panama City really does a bit look like Miami. It's just like, it's like, massive uh, cocaine buildings (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) You know, how is it possible that <laughs> it's as possible? That it's like such big buildings everywhere; they're completely empty. Yeah. looks a bit suspicious. But at the same time, yeah, like funny place. Not um, not so much um, not so much to do. Like apart from the Panama Canal to visit and to see. But um, um, but yeah, this was the place where I was looking for how to cross to Colombia. Because as you um, guys know, I guess, so it's impossible to cross by land there's like this uh theory gap yeah uh, that's was, the one part i was like by, i'm was...
2: fucking ex- i'm excited to hear about how you cross yeah. the durian gap if you did it by bicycle you're my new hero yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I, I know it's, it's it's almost impossible fuck
0: nah that's it so i think i think someone crossed it um i think either with a motorbike or also with a car back in the 80s and i think they needed 300 days Sheesh. to do like 80 kilometers so it's, it, it would have been a trip in a trip. Like it's basically impossible. You have to go through this. Like, I think there's mountains or like places with swamps and just like, it's very dangerous because of the animals that are there, but also because it's uh, a lot basically uh, a zone basically without law, there's narco traffickers, there's parks, there's uh, yeah guerilleros. And so, yeah, there's obviously no roads, no police that's going to help you yeah. there. So some migrants from South America will take that route thinking it's, easier for some reason to go then eventually to the United States and well like of course how many people die and it's yeah, a very it's a very uh, sad decision they make thing to go through there it's, it's
2: like one of the most dangerous or it's the mo- one of the most dense jungles in the world and it's one of the most dangerous land border crossings in the world too right wow. just because like you mentioned you have for sure the yeah. the, 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 the fart group which is like Colombian um what are they they're Colombian um like a far left a group, revolution yeah, kind of group? like um, revolutionaries, yeah. and yeah, so it's fucking crazy, man.
0: Yeah, it means fuerzas armadas de la revolución de Colombia, so like armed forces of the revolution of Colombia, something like that. And so yeah, these guys are not joking around, and uh, yeah, if they see you there, they're just gonna Damn. kill you without asking too many questions. So yes, definitely just, not just the out. right place to <laughs> go through. Um, so then there was like two options left, or I had to take a boat or find a way to just uh, cross by boat to Colombia, or take a plane. Of course, I wanted to avoid, uh, to take a plane because, you know, like it's just, uh, was just as bad for the bag. Also, I kind of wanted to do everything either by land or by sea. <laughs> and, um, but it was much quicker and much cheaper, but I just wanted by all means to try to cross by, by, um, by a boat. And so i was looking so there's many websites that exist if you want to find a boat where to volunteer on so there's a uh, crew bay there's spammer crew there is um i can't remember there's uh, other other ones and then i was asking through all my network on uh, facebook and whatsapp and uh, the people i just met like if they knew someone who needed help on a boat and i could cross with and then <laughs> after like searching for weeks and weeks um i find the answer in the end on facebook where um, I was posting on some uh, local groups. No one was answering me, but then there is a girl who makes a very, very similar post than I did. Well, she gets an answer. And so there's a captain who, t- who says to her like, Hey, uh, if you want, I'm leaving from um, uh, from Panama on the uh, 11th of November. And then we go to uh, Cartagena in Colombia. And so I see this post, I'm like, wow, fuck, Like she, she got an answer. And so I contact the girl immediately and I'm like, Hey, um, apparently you're going with him. So Maybe do you think we can like work together in the boat and we go, we go, we, we go together. And she's like, oh, no, uh, actually, I didn't even respond to him. I'm not going to go with him. Why? Because it's too late. It was like, it was like next week. And for her, it was too late. I'm like, you have no idea how lucky you are that you got this boat and you got in touch with this captain, but whatever. Okay. So do you allow me to contact the captain uh, and to tell him that you're not going to come? Yeah, sure. And so I contacted the captain and said this, and he's like, All right, right. welcome on the boat. (laughs) It's like perfect. And so I had to just like volunteer on the boat for like seven days. Was it just like a rich guy? Yeah, like clean the boat. No, so it was one of these like uh, trips that cross regularly is blue sailing. That's the name. They cross from Colombia to Panama back and forth. And so sometimes they look for volunteers.
1: So I did that journey. Okay, okay, okay. Colombia to Panama, and then
0: I went through blue sailing. Exactly, yeah. The thing is, these boats are pretty expensive. I mean, it's all inclusive; it's pretty nice and everything, but it's still five hundred fifty dollars for five days. Uh, in the end, we had an issue with the with the engine. We had to actually sail, sail. So it took it took like it took like seven days. Fuck. Um But um, yeah, so I crossed for free, and I decided to you know clean the boat, help the captain. Um, mostly, you know, like help in the kitchen to make uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, coffee break for like um, we were. Yeah, 14 passengers and three crew. What was the name of, of the... Who was the captain? Okay,
1: uh yeah, It wasn't mine, man. guy. Yeah. yeah. That would have been crazy. There's a car, yeah, there's a few, a few boats, did. I think. It was
0: like, yeah. Was, yeah, there's quite a few, I think. There's like, yeah, yeah five, yeah. six different boats. So. But yeah, anyway, it was just like an awesome trip. Honestly, it was like one of the highest points of my trip because like I wasn't... I was in cycling, I found this boat and, the, and then the, the bicycle was like, yeah, had no issues at all. It was just like perfect, which is almost impossible to, to, uh, yeah, to, to make happen when you're traveling with a, with right. a plane. And so suddenly I'm in, uh, Cartagena, yeah, after a week. So and yeah, Cartagena was like, yeah, super, super nice place. And then like the Colombian trip started and yeah, as I said before, I really enjoyed Colombia, really enjoyed the, the people the the cycling culture. The fact that every single day was so fucking different mm-hmm. from the last one. And, um, yeah, it was just that one of the most diverse countries I've been to. I think, um, yeah, like I said, I think I'd, I'd like to go back there. Yeah. Um, no, so same thing. Some people also would say, ooh, dangerous country because of the narcos and be careful, which is also completely inflated. I mean, yeah. same thing, <laughs> don't mess up with right. the narcos and you'll be okay. But <laughs> it's like self evident kind of tip, um, but yeah, really had a good time. Um, right after this, I had to cross into Ecuador and here. So until now, I didn't have any issues with COVID every time. Uh, so I'm vaccinated. And so for vaccinated people, this entire trip was um, just very easy because you just had to show your vaccination card. For Mexico and Colombia, I didn't have to show anything. You were yeah. like, come as you are. For Ecuador, though, the border was closed. <laughs> Ecuador, the border was closed. And so I was like, how am I going to get in? It's... Uh, like, it looks impossible. And um, I, I got, like, super lucky because maybe, like, five days before I got there, the door oh, like, wow. magically opened in both directions. So you could just cross it with uh, the vaccination card. It was like, wow, it's like, it's so lucky. It's like your second. You know, what are the odds? It's that- like your
2: second magic, ma- magic moment, right? You had the water bottle or third, right? Not dying <laughs> right. from the, the narco, the water bottle, and now this.
0: <laughs> yeah, Do exactly. you believe yeah, I was magic? like, magic? Wow, okay. <laughs> do you believe <laughs> in me uh, it? sometimes uh sometimes I'm like wow, things are just opening up when <laughs> i'm coming and so in this case yeah Ecuador just like opened his border. like it was like, they closed like everyone else in march 2020 and it just opened on the um something like 20th or 19th of december 2021 and so i crossed on the 24th of december wow. christmas day <laughs> so that was a big christmas present Nice. Um, Then I spent, yeah, like some uh, some like nice uh, Christmas times with some uh, warm showers. And then crossing Ecuador was the start of the steep mountains. And at some point, I left the mountains, went to the coast, and then had the perhaps the toughest climb I had on this entire trip, where I had to basically go from sea level to four thousand meters in one climb, uh, which I divided in two days. So, yeah, it was like steep. It was insanely long, and wow. just just imagine sea level to four thousand meters. I mean, it was just not not many mountains are over four thousand meters in Europe, and so you just like climb this way. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. I'm
1: sure, like once you got up to the four thousand, going down was was a lot easier and fun
0: no because uh, you don't really go down actually you you stay you stay in the mountains it's, a so it's just place. like you go down a little bit then you go oh, higher shit. up and, okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, okay like it. it was kind of <laughs> and uh but yeah so that the, the, like there was like clearly the start of the andes and so like everything was like yeah um yeah pretty pretty uh steep from that point but same thing like for in maybe in this case yeah you need a bit of a physical condition but, um, but in the end, yeah, you just go slower, and, you know, like no hail is impossible to pass. But, um, but yeah, after this, it was Peru and Peru was so, I thought they would open somewhere in January, February. Uh, they didn't. So I crossed illegally into Peru. And so that was funny as well, cause I was looking for the best way how to cross into Peru, like the safest way. Cause there was one place in Huachías, which is, uh, at the, at the coast which um, would be possible, but a bit far away from uh, where I was. And so I looked for another uh, solution. And so I just asked again my entire network, (laughs) mainly on on WhatsApp. And so there's this guy who told me, oh, I know this guy, maybe he can help you. And so this man is a a sergeant of the special forces of Ecuador. Jesus. Why is he going to help me to cross into Peru, which is illegal? And so he's like one of the guys who... You know, he's like patrolling the border. So his job is essentially to protect this from happening. So, did you join the
2: Peruvian (laughs) army? (laughs) Breaking news! (laughs) No, I didn't.
0: (laughs) 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 But so the thing is, then I asked him. Like I was thinking, uh, he he's gonna ask for a bribe or he's doing it for money. And he actually he didn't until the end. He didn't, and he just said. You're an adventure guy i like adventure guys so i'm gonna help you and i was like oh yeah. man, well, yeah, wow. fair enough <laughs> what a fucking guy so he just wanted to do this so yeah he was he was super nice so he he was carrying my bike because at some point we had to cross the river walking uh so we had like yeah water up to the waist and so he was carrying my bicycle i was wow. carrying my luggage and then yeah i was, was i just like entered through this way and then he just said good luck and there was in Peru, but so yeah, I was like, well, man, maybe at some point they're gonna open the waters and so I can quickly come back whenever they're open, because they were supposed to open in in the coming weeks. Well, they they didn't, so yeah, I had to do like a very complex trip, then to um, sort of come back to Ecuador, to then like fly into into um, Peru. It was there was a really depressing moment to come back to have like mm-hmm. then to like book expensive flights yeah. just to, you know, like go around some uh, COVID. Absurd measures, because yeah, they were basically opening the air borders, but the land borders were closed. Although everyone knew that the land borders were, you know, like a like an open house. You know, you were just coming in, coming out. No one was checking. It was just the police knew, the government knew, of course, the local people knew. It's just like, I mean, complete nonsense, guys. I'm on a fucking yeah, bicycle. Right?
2: Like, can you not do one exception? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yes, they should have. Well, they didn't. Anyway, and so then it was in Peru. And so the first part of Peru was pretty boring cause it was along the, um, along the coast, which was like very deserted again, like very hot and just like the Pan-American highway, which is really not, not exciting. And then you attacked the Andes. And so yeah, this was like constantly going between 2,000, 4,000 meters altitude. Just crazy, crazy climbs. The highest point where I've been was 4,690 meters. So almost 4,700 meters, which is like a hundred meters lower than the highest mountain in Europe, oh, which is like crazy. It Did you experience was, altitude you know, sickness? Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty high. No, because you, you, you go into there like like progressively. So like it's, um, you know, like day one, you're at the coast. Day two, you're 1,000 meters. Day three, you're 2,000 meters. And then you basically never go down below 3,000 meters. So, you know, going to 4,000 is actually okay. It's like, I mean, above 4,200, I could feel that it was less air and everything. So, you know, like the heart is going a bit faster. You need to like breathe more for the same effort. But, um, yeah, it wasn't like when you take a bus from sea level to 4,000, then you'll definitely experience, uh, altitude sickness. If you're cycling, you're okay. So that was right. Um, but so yeah, so Peru was a bit of a disappointment too. Like I think if I wasn't cycling, it would have been easier, but the fact that it was cycling, I was experiencing really bad weather. Sometimes I had this magic combination of cold wind and rain, which was really hard um i just really couldn't connect with the people It was just like so many times just this common sense that i would expect to see into any human being which just wasn't there in so many interactions and i will give this as an example again with the the water so i was um obviously so dressed as a cyclist warm outside um my bottles are empty and so i'm asking in spanish if the water is is drinkable so in, in spanish it's like what is Potable or no? So potable mm-hmm. is is the word that means drinkable, and I double checked it. That's <laughs> it's, it's just a word. <laughs> it's just C'est exactly the word. Français, potable. It's, potable. What It's the same thing. And so this lady at the gas station says yes, yes. Am uh-huh. like, perfect? So I <laughs> drink that water right? and then just like fill my bottles. And so two hours later, uh-huh. I'm like
1: oh, explosive oh. area,
0: but like you know it was. I had stopped like so many times to just like ask people like, do you have any toilets? No, but I'm like, we, we need to. Well, we have a wall in the garden and uh, uh, yeah, so I was going nice. there and I was like, uh, it was, well, thank God it was only like two hours, Fuck. but it was, it was just like the worst. Yeah. Um, diarrhea I ever had, but like very, very quick in the same time, but very intense. And so I'm like, well, I'm uh, not going to go back to this gas station to drink water. That's this for sure. For the next day, Yelp review. same situation again. I'm asking this man. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Yelp review. laughs> maybe good fuel i don't know but definitely dude, bad water the, <laughs> <stars>. <laughs> the thing is next day i'm like again in the same situation where i'm like pretty evident context of me i need to drink this water you know and so same thing like, i ask like is the water drinkable and he says yes but in this case i just double check. i'm like but but can i can i drink it can i drink it now oh no of course not <laughs> So what does the word right. drinkable mean for you? Like, the hell? And so then he says, oh, yeah, no, because I thought you wanted to cook with it or to boil it 1st And I'm like, no, I'm not going to cook with it. I'm just like cycling. So I need to drink now. That's, that's just what cyclists do, you My know? My God, and do so, you think I'm
2: hauling a fucking like, story? Like,
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, actually I had a little stove, so I could have made the water boil, right. but that wasn't, that wasn't part of the plan. And so these kind of things, just to have like other stories like this, but it's just, Yeah, this common sense that you expect that just doesn't, isn't there. And then it creates a distance between you and the others. We like, well, whatever I say, um, we're not going to understand each other. And so I felt, yeah, like it was harder to communicate with Peruvians than Ecuadorians, Colombians, Argentinians. So there was a dog issue, there was the weather issue, there was the people issues. It was, um, some parts were just like really not interesting when it came to the coast and. Some parts were amazing, like Machu Picchu or the mountains. But in the end, I think Peru was my least favorite country of all. Whereas for other people, it is the fate most, the best country. Pierre, so y- you've actually yeah.
2: shit on both of our next yeah. destinations. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Know if, I think I'm going to cancel my flight. But Fuck again, this.
0: The thing is, <laughs> but it, the thing is, um, if I hadn't been cycling, for example, no bad experiences with dogs. Maybe not the same experiences with water. Right. Definitely not the same experiences with weather, so it would have been shining a complete different light on Peru. Just because I'm cycling, there's just like so many things that happen to me just because I'm that's, traveling that's this fair way. Enough, yeah, and yeah, someone who goes by bus will have a different. So, experience. so when
2: I go to Peru, I, so I, I won't I, even look at a bike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. maybe in Cusco, but otherwise, <laughs> no. But in Cusco, Machu Picchu is a pretty amazing place. But yeah, anyway. So then. um, I crossed into Bolivia. Also, same thing. So yeah, that's also a pretty amazing. So that another <laughs> lucky time. I had my flight booked from Lima to Bolivia um, on the sixteenth of February. On the fifteenth of February, I received a message from this other guy. By the way, other Pierre, French guy, also just traveling by bicycle, also going to Argentina. I never met him, but we were in touch just because you kind of know who is traveling in the in the area. And so this guy is telling me, what are you talking about? The border is open. I just crossed today. I'm like, no way. Like I had tried by like all means to cross the border before, you know, talking to everyone, suggesting some generous tips if there was a solution that could function. And it was just impossible. And so he crossed just by showing up there. So he must have been like the, the luckiest guy on earth because actually this precise day on the 15th, the border actually opened just for the first time in two years as well. So no fucking way. And so I'm like, I'm rushing online to like cancel my flight ticket they gave him back like 90% of the money, which was also like pretty lucky. And then I could cross the border by land into Bolivia. So it was basically the, yeah, the second time that water wow. literally just opened before I got there. Crazy. Um, so then Bolivia was uh, pretty quick. It was only 10 days. It was a place where I've been, yeah, where I had my longest cycling day. I did uh, within one day, 254 kilometers because <laughs> it was really, pretty flat. I had a good wind in the bag and I just. Yeah, I wanted to go as far as possible. Wow. And so, yeah, 254 luggage, so not bad, but it was really exceptional. Usually I'm I'm closer to 130, 140, so, yeah. Wow. Um, and after Bolivia, I stepped into Argentina and then Argentina was from day one, like a massive change. Cause since I crossed, since I left the United States, I was always the gringo. I was like, ah, gringo, gringo. And it's always like, you know, this like you know, a cycling little dollar or a credit card. And, you know, it's just in the back of your shoulder the entire time. In Argentina, the population is also very white. There's like, there's like black guys, white guys, and like, well, maybe in in the South, there's like definitely more white guys and black guys. But so I didn't look like a stranger anymore. And so on the street, well, of course, as soon as I started talking, well, yeah, like people knew that I wasn't from there. But otherwise, like the, the approach was, I was invisible again, sort of, you know, which was, which didn't happen since yeah. the States. And so there was like really uh, like a big sort of relief. Also, the economy, I mean, the economy is a little bit uh, funny at the moment, but in the end, the infrastructure is better and you have like, a, yeah, like better roads. You have just little details of, for example, um, benches with tables for people to rest where I could just go and have <sighs> lunch and just like. The little joke, things you appreciate in the end. Which doesn't really exist in the world for some reason. And yeah, I just really appreciate it too find benches and tables <laughs> but this was a really long country as well because i had to go from um yeah it was like four thousand kilometers up to um basically up to swaya so there was patagonia was uh really really long really deserted it was the same a uh, lot of wind crazy winds sometimes it was hard to maintain my direction so there was mentally a bit challenging as well um and then yeah like after a while. So, Patagonia was a really, really long stretch, but nothing much happened. (laughs) So I'm just gonna squeeze that part. And then at some point you get to Ushuaia and honestly, Ushuaia. So as I saw the sign saying Ushuaia, I I must confess that I I cried. I just, I I don't really cry often, but like when I saw this, I just like tears started running and I was like, so getting so emotional because I was finally there and I just reached my goal and yeah. uh, (laughs) <laughs> i was just there you know after months and months of um concentration and focusing on this and the reason of his way itself oh, yeah it's yeah. it's
2: a spectacular story Pierre. like literally like you said that and i got goosebumps like it's yeah, same man like i we can't we can't even Actually. imagine what that is we're just listening and are just in awe of like this amazing journey that you went
0: through like it's
2: wow like that's amazing
0: There. Yeah. um yeah, it was amazing for me too. But again, there's many things that are not amazing at all. <laughs> there's a lot of nothing also, especially in Patagonia, for example. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's important to have both in mind. It's like, the, there's a high price for the amazing moments of a lot of nothing, a lot of struggle. Um, but yeah, I think you got it now. <laughs> I think you understood that part. Usway itself is like an amazing place with, um, yeah, glaciers and mountains and lakes and, uh, the coastline. I got there in the autumn as well and so the entire forest was yellow and orange oh, and red wow. it was just uh one of the most beautiful places um but yeah so then i just stayed a few days there and um yeah then i uh, hitchhiked back to buenos aires quickly went without cycling to uruguay and then took a plane to fairbanks Alaska. so <laughs> change um so the trip was in my mind, the trip was sort of finished because so i reached to Swire. So it was like, yes, I did it, but I still wanted to finalize like the part that was missing. So the part from Alaska to Seattle. And wow. so, yeah, so like I was thinking, I don't want to go back to Europe yet. I want to still do the last missing bit, which was still another 4,000 kilometers. And so, yeah, got to, got to Alaska and cycled, uh, through, uh, Alaska and Canada to, to to, yeah, to Vancouver and then Seattle. So I had like pretty high expectations from Alaska and well, the winter this year was like really, really shitty. So a lot of rain, a lot of snow, uh, the views were just like not amazing. So between Fairbanks and the Canadian border, and just didn't see much. But also I think it's not the most exciting part of Alaska. Like if you want to see some amazing places, rather go to Anchorage, uh, Homer, Valdez, like the, the coast, uh, that's I think a bit more spectacular. The bit between Fairbanks and Canada is just, yeah, just uh, the Alaska Highway that crosses land. But, um, I mean, it is not ugly, but it's it's not as spectacular as you think Alaska would be, sort yeah. of.
2: Pierre, so
1: you were, you were UConn, doing this UConn in UConn the winter? Like, you are a thug.
0: <laughs> so, it was the end of the winter. It was... Like what month? <laughs> It was. Uh, I landed on the tenth of May, so it was the okay. end of the winter. Yeah, so. and
2: I mean, like people may right. think, like, "Oh, May, like that's summer." Not up north. Up north, you're going probably till June ish nah, before yeah, it no. gets hot.
0: And especially, yeah, and especially this uh, this winter, which was again really late. So it should have been definitely much way way holy more sunny. But,
2: you're, you're crazy, yeah, right? right. Um, <laughs> to do that, holy <laughs> fuck!
0: Well, I was just thinking with the weather, you know. Were you ever slipping
2: and stuff like that? <laughs> and so. Like, was there so any snow slipping? when you were up there? Like, was it, was it like slippery?
0: No. So, so there, there was, so there was, there was snow at some point, uh, but the okay. roads were clear. So the roads were, were just wet, but it was never like covered in snow. So, there was. how were okay. the bugs? Um, and the main, How were the how bugs?
2: The mosquitoes.
0: The bugs were okay. Because again, the, the the winter was late, so the the, the temperatures were still like pretty cold, cold. Um, and so the bugs came late yeah. as well. Um, the issue with the late winter is that the oh, bears uh, hibernated longer, and as they woke up, oh, they were man. hungrier than usual, and so bears were like a constant worry on my trip. From basically until Vancouver, it was like just bears, bears, bears. So I've, I've seen uh on this part of the trip Holy 15 shit. different bears. so 15 different occurrences like pretty close sometimes so mums was uh, very close yeah yeah i mean uh, as close yeah. as basically possible yeah <laughs> um so the very oh, the very first time it was it was funny it was just like again like what are the odds so it's a situation where so i had a, a bear spray that one of the warm showers gave to me and so I've heard from someone that you can't enter in Canada if you have a bear spray because it's considered being a weapon. I'm like, well, it doesn't make any sense. Someone else told me, yes, yes, you can, as long as there is a bear symbol and a bear spray. And so it's mm-hmm. identified as being a bear spray. But so I was thinking, well, just in case, I'm going to hide it in my luggage because I don't want people, I mean, the custom people to just take my bear spray away from me. And then I'm like, all right, <laughs> how do I do now? Yeah. And so, I mean, I could have bought another one, but these things are pretty expensive. So I really wanted to keep it. And so I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to put it into my luggage, oh, let's say five kilometers before the border. Cause what are the odds that a bear would show up in the last five kilometers before the border. Oh. And since then, like in the ent- entire Alaska trip, I didn't see a single bear. So I'm like, well, okay. what are the odds? So five kilometers before the border, I'm like, well, looking at my counter, I should put my bag somewhere. <laughs> but there wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't any tree to, you know, lean it on. No, like, uh, no sign, nothing. So I'm gonna, let me continue a bit further. And what do I see the distance? A big black dot with oh, two no. small black dots. I'm like, oh wait, is, <laughs> is this a black bear? So I'm getting closer and it is a black bear, like a mom with two cubs and like tiny cubs, like dude, the cubs from, from the yeah. last winter. So like the, the smaller they can be. So this is the worst case scenario. It's <sighs> not just a little bear, you know, like Jesus hanging out and eating Christ. grass. This is a mom that is going you know, to defend right. their cubs, uh, her cubs <laughs> as much as possible. And so I'm like, wow, like what can I do now? And so they're not. You know, deep in the woods, sort of, they're like, at, exactly oh at, at the asphalt, it's like where the road is. And so I'm like, remaining like a hundred meters in the distance, being like, well, what can I do now? You know, I'm not going to risk it. And you know, just try to go quick. That's not going to work. And so I just wait till at some point a car passes by. And so there's this guy, he just like, <laughs> yeah, pulls the window down. And I'm like, do you think I can pass? He says, nope, she's got the cubs." <laughs> I'm like, all right, slow what can I do then? And so then she can he just he just like actually pretty smart move. So he just like, you know, um goes goes backwards with the car, sort of onto them, so that they would just go back into the woods a bit further away. So he just does that and so I go in the same time than the car and then I'm and I'm off. I'm I'm like away. I like, ah, perfect. Then what is left now? Just the canadian border right oh my! no there was another bear like two kilometers further <laughs> before the border oh fuck! <laughs> it was there like i'm like no be I mean, way what what again what are the odds like two two bears i mean one a mom with two two little ones and and i think this oh. one was a male one and yeah in this case he was just a bit further um from the road just like eating grass and same thing i was still very much scared and um i i like captured the little video of him and And yeah and then it could enter to at at that point pierre you must have been like
2: i should have fucking flown home after (laughs) argentina this was pushing it (laughs) this is how i died
0: it's not the narco i was um i was just asking the 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 border (laughs) i was just asking the border agent as she was validating my entry i was like please like Whatever is your d- decision, just <laughs> right. don't send me back to the bears. <laughs> I want to stay here Shoot. at the border.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: But anyway, yeah, I could, I could come in, so that was easy. And and yeah, so there's uh, two types of bears in uh, Canada, I guess uh, you, huh. you may know. But So there's black bears and, mm-hmm. and brown bears. The brown bears are the grizzlies. And so the brown bears, uh, sorry, the black bears are... Um, are, I mean, they are dangerous, but they will, they will mostly run away. They're not, um, you know, they're not going to defend the territory that much. And so they will run away and they're not that aggressive. Um, the black bears themselves are scared from brown bears (laughs) because the brown bears, so the Grizzlies are way more aggressive, way more territorial and might attack way more easily for the reason. And so, yeah, you should really worry about brown bears. Black bears are usually, they, they're okay. Yeah, like, uh, so I've seen in in total like 13 black bears and just like two grizzlies. Same thing, it was like pretty close encounter, but just like crossed the highway and then like just kept going in the woods. But but still, yeah, you like, you know, you have no protection in the bag. So (laughs) if anything happens, well, it is on the (laughs) news. Literally, uh, yeah.
2: And just just to add, we do have also polar bears. Which you weren't in that region, so you're you're lucky. Um, those are the ones you definitely bears. don't want to see yeah. at it's all. Noise. <laughs> no, yeah. those are the those are the fucked ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but I mean, bears in general are the fucked ones. Yeah. There's no Winnie the Pooh. Right. like they're all fucking exactly.
0: crazy. Um, to, to that story, with the bears. No, like I just um yeah just saw quite a few ones, but then like nothing nothing ever happened. But oh, the same the same thing. Like maybe another tip for people who might do the same. So, um, the first. Most important thing is like when you, when you sleep in your tent, uh, don't sleep with your food, put the food 50, to hundred meters away, uh, make noise, clap in your hands, sing, just like shouts. Even if you're alone in the woods, you might look like an absolute idiot, but it might save your life and also no one's there to watch you. So you might do it. And then, um, yeah, just like, uh, make a fire, prepare some stones. So just in case have your best it with you and then you should be fine. It's just like some, uh, something you should do before. Oh yeah, but otherwise I had a, I had a blast in Canada. I was really, this part of the world was really, really beautiful, very, very much frozen when I was there, but still really nice. And when I got to Vancouver, I was like, wow, this is a a place where I could see myself living. So, so then I, I quickly went to Seattle to the same little shop where everything started, so exactly a year and three weeks later, and, uh, then it was finished. So the emotion wasn't the same than in Australia. It was more like, all right, well, I'm back in the same place now. Looking forward to move on and to close the cycling chapter and to go back to Europe, do some other stuff. Um, so, but I, I didn't find the same yeah uh, emotion then in, in Australia, but it was it was done. And so, um, so now my plan is actually to go back to Vancouver and to look for a job there because I really like the place and I could see myself living there. So we'll see if that works.
2: Okay, right. Well, welcome to Canada. So that's buddy. it. That's my trip. <laughs> yeah listen i i'd love to say let's let's you know i'd love to catch a beer with you but unfortunately our country's fucking massive and i'd have to bike for like a year and three weeks to go see you
1: yeah. <laughs> i was just gonna ask so what's next for you
0: travel wise so travel wise i'm just gonna stay in europe uh, see family see friends uh, i'm gonna go to nice. czech republic next nice. week uh, for a little festival then to germany for another festival um I was actually thinking to go to the Ukraine border to offer some help. Cause I'm, I'm actually a bit like, you know, and, you know like, uh, yeah, a bit shocked that uh, work can be happening in Europe at the moment. And it's sort of like the media now is sort of getting used to it. And so people don't talk about it as much anymore, yep. but well, there's still a war happening over there. And so I wanted to see if I can offer some help at the border. I still need to like double check if there's help needed, you know, uh, probably you shouldn't be going there just. You know, just saying hello, do you need help? I have Bears Break. I have Bears Break. (laughs) Yeah. That might help. But so, yeah, we'll see if that works. And then otherwise, you're just like traveling around Europe with friends a little bit. And uh, and so, yes. And then, like, my uh, flight, my return flight to Vancouver is on uh, September 10th. And um, at this point, I have to uh, seriously start to look for a job. So. Yeah, living the uh, life. Trouble fucking right. uh Chapter is is closed for at least another two years, and then in two right. or three years, we'll see. Like you can do another cycling trip or taking trip.
2: Let's yeah, see. brother. What do you say? Yeah, man. Well, I guess we're gonna be chatting with you in a little, in a, in a couple of years, and if, yeah. you, know, if you still want to co- co- tell us about hey. your travels, because man, this was this was a hell of a ride. I I honestly really enjoyed this this uh, this Me story. Too. I. We haven't had anybody like you, Pierre, so listen, you're, you're a unique guy. To, well, I guess you're not unique because there's another Pierre from France who also did the same trip. And We're actually having him next week. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so, so listen. What about you? But no, listen, man. I, 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 like I said, I had a great time, and I really, really uh, thoroughly enjoyed this this episode. Yeah, thank you so much, Pierre. So thanks for coming on. Thank you for listening to Two Beers Till Takeoff. Do you want free additional content or just to stay connected with the show? Then give us a follow on our social media platform. That means TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all of them. Are you in need of podcast production services, video editing, or anything in between? Then look no further than Strut Sound Productions, the official producer of the Two Beers Till Takeoff podcast. Music produced by Alex Gagnon. Check out his work in our show notes. Voiceover done by Viking Leo K. See you next week on 2 Beers Till Takeoff. Thank <laughs> you.